Everyone has a story, and I believe that sharing your story has the power to connect people. I'm a working mom, wife, and seeker, and nothing lights me up and brings me more joy than having meaningful conversations. And one of the things I love to talk about is psychedelics. In December 2021, I experienced my first psychedelic journey with psilocybin. It was one of the most profound events in my life, and it opened me up to a deeper spiritual growth and helped me to heal. And now, talking to those who've experienced the therapeutic magic of psychedelics and hearing about their personal journey has become my passion. Mindful Trip is a safe space to have conversations that demystify and destigmatize the use of plant medicines. Conversations that allow us to have deeper connections with ourselves and others. I hope that sharing these intimate, funny, and inspiring stories helps you find the answers you're looking for. A wise friend said to me, all you can do is follow the threads and see where it takes you. So I hope you'll join me in unraveling the threads, staying open, and trusting the journey. This is Mindful Trip. Mindful Trip content and the views, thoughts, and opinions of the host, guests, and contributors is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional legal advice or medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Consult with the medical provider or mental health care professional about your health-related questions. Mindful Trip does not encourage illegal activity, including but not limited to the illegal sale, purchase, or use of controlled substances. Hi, and thanks so much for joining. Today, my friend Annabelle and I do a deep dive as we talk about sacred geometry, past lives, and how ayahuasca revealed her higher purpose as a medicine woman. Annabelle Arellano is the founder and CEO of Haku Wellness. She's a holistic alchemist and wellness intuitive that integrates alternative modalities and medicine practices from both indigenous and modern cultures. Her focus is to empower others to align with their true essence, reclaim their power, and honor their unique journey. Your support means a lot, so please subscribe, download, and share with friends and family. I'd also love to hear what resonates for you, so send me your comments. Hi, Annabelle. Hi, Min. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm excited. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So we have a lot to cover, and I have a lot of questions for you. So let's get started. So tell me what I need to know about you and what was going on in your life that led you to your first psychedelic journey. Okay. So I had just recently moved to the island of Kauai after a separation in like a a long tenure of IT corporate world. And I was looking to connect with the elements in the way that maybe my childhood I did, but just in a different way. And I was invited by a local Hawaiian lady, um, which I really appreciated, to kind of sit with the vine for ayahuasca. And I guess what really led me to her really were, I just always see it as my guides, the ones that I can't necessarily see or always tangibly touch. And I had been asking for a real experience that was going to really like shake me up, you know, 
I have always been a very like aware person. There was also a lot of not just people pleasing, but, you know, kind of filling the mold of what I'm supposed to do, the career I'm supposed to keep, the tenure we're supposed to keep as well. And so what led me there was me, just pieces of me and my guides. And and I asked for it to be in a somewhat of a gentle way. And so it was just myself and one other individual on this amazing land in a yurt, which is kind of like an octagon shape that was completely just like windows. And so it was just like a fantasy kind of like imagination thing that I would have never and never imagined really. And so, yeah, like I think things started to uncover for me a little bit more through that first experience, but really just like the journey itself of like asking for more, whatever that more was, but just as much as I needed. And that's what showed up for me outside of that corporate world, you know, and it was a vacation that I had taken to Kauai. And then the last day of my vacation, I said, I feel something really different and a different part of me has shown up Mm -hmm. that I miss connection with and I'm going to stay. And so I stayed and took a leap and left the corporate world and then opened up to surrender. Wow. Well, whoa. Okay. Wait. So I have so many questions right now. (laughs) Well, first of all, when you say guides, what do you mean guides? Explain that. So I am a holistic alchemist and most of what I have um, inspired as my guides are like my team of protectors or angels. I work with ascended masters. As a child, I remember my mom telling me that when I used to get in trouble and she would put me on timeout, they could take away all my toys and everything, but they would still like walk by and hear me talking to people and they'd ask Mm. me who I was talking to. And I don't really think I ever had like any imaginary friend names or anything like that. So I feel that it was just, I've always had them. I just didn't really know that I was, there was a certain way that you needed to communicate with them. So I've always been, had an affinity to angels, whether it was just angel books or little figurines as a kid. My aunt used to collect little figurines. So, I mean, honestly, some of the connections between my guides started to appear more in different types of meditation, certain type of journaling where it's really not a specific expectation. It's just kind of like you just you just kind of start to write. So I started to see that and feel that I was gravitating to or like becoming a magnet for like different types of numerology, seeing different types mm-hmm. of numbers show up in sequences. I've always been a vivid dreamer, so I didn't really know that it wasn't normal to dream in color. And then when I started to talk to more people, they were like, yeah, I don't dream in color. And I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) So my guides show up in different ways from galactic families, starseed families. Some of them are just slash spiritually based. However, along my journey, they have kind of taken on maybe a little bit different of a composition (laughs) as to how they're viewed because I don't view them with fear or there's no like persecution. It's really about them being there to help you along your journey and also for us to receive their help. 
Wow. So your guides, your angels essentially spoke to you and they kind of nudged you towards or maybe even kind of pushed you towards very, very clearly towards Hawaii. Yes. So when you made the decision to just to stay in Hawaii, what happened next? Was it in Hawaii that you did your psychedelic journey? Yes. Actually, I arrived on Kauai, but the uncle and auntie that invited me along with a dear friend of mine that I had met was my first psychedelic experience with ayahuasca was on the island of Maui. Hmm. So, And so um, what happened during that first experience? So they did go into, which what I appreciated, they really did go into like some of the things that you may experience, like sensitivity to light. Mm. Not all ayahuasca experiences do use like purging, right? Because basically what you're doing is you're drinking kind of like a tea, a tincture, if you will, of something that's going to help you purge. Mm. And across many different cultures that I've studied, Purging and detoxing is a way to allow our physical body to release things, uh, feelings, emotions, attachments, so that we can actually connect deeper with our soul. And so they helped to introduce some of those subjects, which I was already, you know, somewhat aware of or had studied myself. They also let us know that it's, it's not a race. It's not a competition. And sometimes it takes more than one time to go through the ayahuasca journey because it's really about how much you're willing to surrender. Mm -hmm. Our human experience takes over. The ego takes over the pride, all of the survival mechanisms and coping mechanisms, all these things that we that we learn right in this human vessel (laughs) on how to cope with the world. Right. And so for myself, I was purging, but I was also helping another person. I realized a long time ago that, yes, there is people pleasing. There's also parts of me that because I am of service, then sometimes I put myself on the back burner in order to help someone else. Consciously, not really so much. It's just Mm -hmm. like, I want to help, you know? So I will say that I definitely, that person that I was with experienced their first like mediumship. And then they, they realized they were a medium from that. So for me, I realized I wasn't allowing myself to go as deep. Mm. However, I was kind of like in and out. I felt as though kind of like I was trying to be hypnotized that I had been trying to hypnotize. People have tried to hypnotize me several times in the Mm. years past. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to, I would like hit a little barrier. So I would just kind of get up and move around and walk outside and sit within nature and kind of just say, like, help me soften with grace. Mm. Like, I really don't want to keep purging, but I do want to get, like, the message or the messages. And so after I came back from kind of talking to the fairies and things outside, because it was such a beautiful property there, you had a little bridge, you were, like, walked over a river and... I work a lot with water element amongst mm. others, but that's probably the one that I'd say I've had the most connection and breakthroughs with. So when I sat and put my foot, like feet in the river, I asked it to help me kind of like to assist me in releasing whatever it is that was holding me back from giving mm-hmm. myself a full surrender. And when I came back, 
I was just a little bit tired. So I laid down thinking that was going to be it. And after a couple more times of drinking and purging, I got up and I had a little, like a headlamp on. So they tell you to bring a headlamp, especially if you're in nature that has like a red or some sort of other color so that then it's, you know, dimmed, but you're still able to see. And so I got up to go to the bathroom and I walked through a huge hologram of what I didn't really know what it was at that time. It was different colors and it looked similar to having like a, like a ohm, but on its side. Wow. And I'm getting chicken just talking about it. And I knew it was a symbol that seemed familiar because I do work with and I was like close to sacred geometry, but I just couldn't put my fingers on like what it was. Right. And at that time, I remember running back to my little journal, like trying to sketch this. So I felt like I didn't hear any necessarily like voices or feel any sort of messages. The messages I was getting through that I was journaling were actually for like other people. So again, I still felt like, okay, you know, still trying to give myself some grace and like letting myself kind of slowly still work through the layers because that's how I feel that each journey is. It's working through different layers of stuff. Mm-hmm. I did go back outside for another walk after that. And I did kind of have some connections with what I would call avatar spirits, but that felt very different than walking through the hologram. I felt like it was just an activation and I didn't want to have to label it. So that was a very profound experience for me. When I got back to Kauai, out of nowhere, one of the other uncles was cleaning out his his area to make space for a new tenant. And he gave me a book that was all on sacred geometry. And it, the hologram was on the cover of the book. Wow. And I didn't wow. say anything to him about my experience. He had no idea I had done anything. So again, this is what I mean. I feel like each one of my experiences has almost like either brought things from different aspects and timelines of either past or future or whatever makes me aware that, you know, that there are other beings that are assisting in in different realms along with myself to help me to like see whether it's with my third eye or whether it's just with my voice, like I feel that it impacts my senses. So it kind of like makes me hypersensitive so that I feel like it kind of sends out feelers to help me then like fill in the gaps to what I actually went through in my journey. Well, you can't make that up. I mean, the sacred (laughs) geometry and the hologram and him giving you the book. Like, honestly, you can't make that up. I know there are a lot of people who don't believe in synchronicity and they don't believe Mm -hmm. in divine timing and divine, right, order. But you just can't make that up. I mean, there's no way that that could have happened. So I want to go back a little bit because I had so many questions when you were describing your journey. What were some of the emotions that were coming up for you? as you were experiencing this for the first time? And also, how did your body feel? I mean, honestly, my body felt tired. Mm. Like I had to keep telling myself, it's okay for you to relax, right? Whether it's literally just like, I want to go on a hike. It's kind of like I have that itch, like something has to be happening. (laughs) And because the property was so amazing, I also wanted to walk around. Yeah. So I had to keep going back in and saying, you're here to receive like just rest. You are purging a lot. So like my gut was a little sensitive. Mm. I was drinking water, 
each batch of ayahuasca is different. It depends on what they use. And so it can be very pungent and very like bitter Mm. for those people that may have even just drink like herbal teas or tinctures. It's got that type of a flavor to it. So it is something that kind of like you can feel it and you can taste it in the back of your mouth Mm. (laughs) along your tongue, even when you're not drinking it. So I just remember again, like catching myself uh, because I would be like, oh my gosh, this is just tastes so nasty. And I'm like, wait a second, this is my medicine, right? So I have to speak to this medicine with a honor almost and a respect because it's helping me get closer to who I am. Oof. So what were the emotions that were coming up for you and what did you figure out that they were related to? Okay, so definitely tears. And some of them, I was like laughing through the tears. But I think that was also like a coping mechanism. Like I I wanted to release, but I was kind of like, you know, that little voice in the back of your head that's either from a parent or someone that's just like, buck it up, you know, like you got to be strong. (laughs) So definitely lots of tears. I remember shaking, almost like feverish, but not with the fever. I was detoxing pretty hard. I started just remembering some of my childhood, like the story changed. It was just all of a sudden like, wait, I remember it being this way. And now it's coming to me this way. Like, what's the truth? Mm. Can you share a little bit about maybe an example of something that, that you started to remember about your childhood that you realized that maybe what you had recalled was vastly different or different from what you were now experiencing? Right. So... I've always been a very curious child. I was the child that was just like, why? (laughs) Not really that I was trying to get away with what I wanted all the time, which can't say there wasn't part of that too. But I do recall just being the why girl. And, you know, one of my parents was more apt to like, okay, you really want to know why? Go, Let's go pick out this book from the library. And I want you to read some of this or listen to this. Deepak Chopra or whatever it is, and then write something about it, right? And then then there was another parent that was more so like, kind of don't question me. Mm. I am, you know, your parent. And so it doesn't matter why. And so I went through this like connection, disconnection, connection, disconnection. There was a field of sunflowers I would run to that was like at a neighbor's farm. And then there was also like my backyard was like vines and trees and whatever. So what I started realizing is that anytime I was asking too many questions, I would run to the forest or I would run someplace so that I could talk to my friends Mm -hmm. and my beings, my guides, whatever. And they weren't telling me to like be quiet or not ask questions. And so a lot of that was coming up as like, I wasn't wrong, right, Mm. for asking questions. Because even as an adult, it's like, oh, okay, you start a new job. They want you to ask questions. But then it was allowing my voice, allowing me to have a voice and, like, rewriting the story that my parents did the best that they could with the tools that they had. And they weren't necessarily trying to hurt me or hurt my feelings. 
it's just all they knew. And that's what they were taught. You know, you don't answer back to your parents. You don't ask questions. You just do what you're told. And so I just felt like that was such an enriching, like, experience for me to kind of go back and tell that little girl that it was okay to ask questions and that I didn't always have to run when I felt uncomfortable or when I was having to like dim my voice or dim my light or anything like that. And so I kind of had a little meditation with my inner child and trying to see myself at that age and talk her through like some things. And you felt like you healed that part of you? I do. I mean, it's it still took longer than that. It was like kind of like when you talk to someone and they're like, I understand you. Like, I really get it. I'm not just saying it just because I really felt that it wasn't just something that I was trying to be positive about and change yeah. my mind on. It really hit home for me. And I felt like literally a difference in my gut, mm. like my person, who I am. And from that point on, I started to really jump into more of the current work that I'm doing. I felt like it unblocked part of my voice and being able to, to really be happy with who I am and shining all the time or saying what it is that I need to say or share. It really helped me to embrace more of the woman that I have become. Hold on one second. So what you said about your childhood and remembering that during your journey, it really resonated so deeply with me because I went through something very similar growing up in a fairly traditional Korean household. I was also told not to express your feelings. There was a lot of repression of emotions. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was a highly sensitive kid. I cried all of the time. And I do not think that my parents even though they tried their best, they didn't know how to deal with my big feelings. Mm -hmm. And that's what I call them, big feelings. And as a little kid, when you have these big feelings and you don't know how to process them and how to handle them, you look to your parents to help you and to guide you through it. And if they can't do it, then what you do learn, at least for me, is that you just push it down. Because it makes everybody else uncomfortable. And so you are like, okay, well, if, if it makes them uncomfortable or if it makes them angry or irritated, then it's not a good thing. So you associate those big feelings with something that's negative. And it took me a really long time to realize that it's okay to express your feelings, that it's actually more harmful <laughs> to me and to my body physically to hold on to that repression. I agree. So for you, tell me, what were some of the messages that you were getting during this incredible ceremony? Well, one of them was really to embrace the child in me that don't have to shun her. Mm -hmm. Like, just because not everybody smiles as much as I do or really wants to like I am a real tree hugger and it was before it became like the thing like I was a tree hugger <laughs> like literally I saw my a version of myself hugging a tree and then literally seeing like the tree 
like me morph into the tree, right? And then also like see an outline of myself mm. come out of the tree. Mm-hmm. And so what I got from that is like, we are one. That was the beginning of my we are oneness, right? However, it was not necessarily with people. It was with the elements. And then the same thing with water. It's like it took me through this trip of going through every element. Mm. So with the wind, I saw myself as a part of a cloud. With the water, I saw myself kind of like a mermaid, really, but flowing. I saw myself as a part of a rock, huge rock on the mountainside. And it took me to a place where I hike in Maryland. So some of them were places that I had not been to yet. And then some of them were places that I had. And as a child, I had such a vivid imagination. I really believe in the whole beanstalk thing. Like you can climb up a beanstalk and be up in the clouds. So it was kind of like this redemption is what the word comes up. Like, how many times I have been told that, you know, that's just your imagination. And I'm just right. like, well, part of this is real. I'm right. I part of this is real and it's a real experience for me. And so just like reminding myself when I'm a little overstressed that I can go back and play with that little girl side. And even if it doesn't make sense to anybody else, the messages that I was getting from the elements were like, we are one and it is part of your mission to help work with others and step into that wild woman, like sacred medicine woman mm. that you are. Um, well, you were always so spiritual, even as a little kid. Where do you think that came from? I am C- Colombian. Mm-hmm. And I will say part of it is definitely cultural. Like my dad tells me stories of how he was in nature growing up. Um, grandma was like outside of town, but a coastal town. So like, just the animals and stuff that he was actually able to be in and around and also being water. And he told me later on stories that I hadn't heard as a child, right? About my great, great grandparents. And so some of like the practices that I have learned being like more multicultural as like shamanic kind of ways were Mm -hmm. things that I remember hearing like after the fact. Right. And so I feel that literally it's my roots, right? It's a big part of it. And that's how they punished us is literally was like, okay, there's a wide array of, of library cassettes and books that are here for you. And like, if you're not able to do X, Y, or Z, then I want you to take some time to go pick out a book or listen to something, then write something down. Like we, we were punished a little bit differently, (laughs) but it allowed me to learn so much about so many different topics that were now what I see is just metaphysical. The Tony Robbins, the Deepak Chopra's, the, you know, God, so many people, just Wayne Dyer. Like I grew up with this as a kid. And I had no idea what it meant. I was like, oh, great. Here we go again. Like, we have to write a story. (laughs) What an incredible childhood, though. I mean, that's an incredible way to grow up is to even just be fully surrounded by it and immersed in it with your family, the family traditions, culturally. Yeah, I definitely say it was a blessing. It's just that it wasn't. How do I say this? It was like. Did you feel weird? Did you feel like one of those kids that like, oh, great. My parents are doing this really weird. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was weird because I didn't talk about it with anybody. I don't really think there were ever any conversations about mm. what my mom or dad, how they punished us. You know what I mean? Mm. They'd come over to the house and then if my mom started speaking in Spanish, then they'd be like, oh, shoot, she's in trouble. <laughs> Sometimes with the culture, it's just we can be like loud and boisterous. And really, it's just like, hey, you want, are you hungry? But it just yeah. seems like. <laughs> so it definitely was a blessing to grow up that way. It's just that what I feel was it. It was like compartmentalized, Mm -hmm. right? It wasn't like we're going to start our day this way and do some exercises or something. It was always, again, when we were kind of in trouble. So as a kid, I guess maybe I just really saw that as just something that you do when you're in trouble. It didn't start to make sense to me until I really was like an adult because it was instilled in me. However, I didn't really know was being instilled in me as a tool and when to use it. Right. Right. So it was like, or how to use it. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a huge part of my journey and I'm really grateful to my parents for it. Again, I just think they were using it as their tools. So maybe Mm -hmm. they didn't know how to explain how it was going to help because maybe they were still in the, I need help phase, (laughs) you know? So, yeah. So during your ayahuasca journey, Mm -hmm. how long did it last? And then how did you integrate the messages and what you had learned from the ceremony into your daily routine, just your daily life? Okay. I would say the journey probably lasted, I'd say like six hours. Again, every journey is going to be different depending on who you're, I want to say like your lead, I guess is right. Because They don't tell you to stop drinking after a certain amount of time. They're like, judgment is with you. There's Mm. nobody here to tell you it's too much or it's too little. Like you can make it last as long as you want it to. Mm. Uh, Just know that because of the sensitivities, you may not necessarily want to keep drinking through the night and then have the sun come up and just be in an uncomfortable space. And it doesn't stop, you know, like just because you stop drinking doesn't mean the medicine is no longer alive inside of you. So if you have things to do, (laughs) you need to take all that into consideration. But I'd say for us, it was probably about a good six hours. And then I woke up refreshed, took a nice stroll on the property and was like, oh, wow, this is what it looks like when it's light. How did I integrate? Well, I was like totally obsessed with this whole hologram thing. Mm. And so I was like, how am I going to find out? What am I going to, how do I Google like hologram? Like so many different things would come up. But really what happened was when the, the uncle gifted me that book, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh. And it was a book on sacred geometry. Annabelle, before you continue, explain Mm -hmm. for whoever's going to be listening or Mm -hmm. watching, if they're not familiar, what is sacred geometry? So sacred geometry is different types of shapes that correlate back to like before time. If you really think of anything from like a shell to the spiral of life or an octagon or like a star, If you look at a star and you take it apart in layers, Mm -hmm. then you have like triangles that are actually shaped on top of one another and layered. Sacred geometry geometry takes it a bit further and talks about all those intersecting lines 
that create shapes within shapes within shapes. And they all correlate with our existence, life, the cells that we don't see, the atoms that are all around matter. So it's really actually physics. So for those of you that might question some of this, that sounds a really abstract, Mm -hmm. there is science space behind it. Is it the same as divine design? Is sacred geometry considered divine design? I think they I feel like I've heard about like even, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, Mm -hmm. a lot of his works also, right, emulate that sacred geometry. Yeah. I mean, I honestly just think so much sacred geometry is just used day in and day out. And it's about Mm -hmm. creation, the creation of life. And what we can create as human beings and how that ties to the sacred geometry of being able to literally be your own architect. Mm. So now you're doing this deep dive, you're Mm -hmm. integrating and you're doing this deep dive into the hologram and the sacred geometry. Right. So what happens next? So the book also talks about how sacred geometry is used with ascended masters. Mm. And I already at that time was already meditating and working with like Archangel Michael, which again has a religious Catholicism kind of background in certain ways. My parents both came from very strict religious family dynamics. So they chose to not push any type of Mm. specific religion on us. And they kind of left it up to us as to what we wanted to engage in so anyway but over time before hawaii before all of that i was already praying to archangel Raphael, zachiel sometimes i just would say these names and i didn't know where the heck they came from so Mm. again as time evolved i started recognizing well okay these are part of this is part of my pack (laughs) this is part of my crew and So it was another confirmation for me because that was the first time I had ever seen that Archangel Michael and like Metatron were, were part of the sacred geometry. I was like, well, shoot, I didn't know that they merged together. And so crystals, flames, these are all things of colors that I had been seeing since I was a kid. You know, and so again, for me, it was just like one, one confirmation after the next that I'm just, I'm right where I need to be. So I'm just going to pray about getting more clarification about this. Like it brought the esoteric and the spiritual upbringing together for me that didn't make me choose. Right. And so I already worked with crystals. As a kid, I was either bringing home an animal or a rock or like something from the woods. (laughs) And so you have quite a collection. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't allowed to keep it all. So for me, again, it was just like seeing them talk about so many different topics in this one book that was part of just spirituality. Just saw it as like, this is what I love to do. I love shiny crystals and I like to find out like what they help their characteristics are and how I can place them on people or how I can place them around my home or like all these things that 
I didn't really discuss with many people. When I got to Hawaii, I was like, oh my God, they speak my language. <laughs> I don't want your tribe. <laughs> this is the reason that things happened the way that they did and that I was literally forced out of like IT corporate world. No mm-hmm. judgment on it. I don't think that there's anything ever that's happened in this life that I regret. So I needed that business sense. It's still telecommunications. It's still important. It's still going to be part of my walk. And I'm going to keep finding ways for to integrate it. it. So, but this really helped me to kind of like fully, again, accept another layer of myself. And that was part of my intentions through my ayahuasca ceremony is like, I just, I want to like work on the pieces of me that kind of need to shed so that I can receive and not just give, 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 give. And like, also like help me to surrender because I don't even realize when I've got to wall up sometimes. Mm. So it just really helped me to like get at a completely different layer. And then I was like, well, how long do I have to wait to do this again? (laughs) I wanted to see more things. I was going to ask you, I'm like, so how long did it take for you to do another journey? Or maybe you could talk about another psychedelic plant medicine journey that was equally, if not more significant. I know you've done several different types and I know they're Mm -hmm. all significant in their own way and important with very clear messages for you. Mm -hmm. But if there was one that you could talk about, maybe you can share that specific experience. I did not do another ayahuasca ceremony for probably over a year. Mm. However, I did start working with psilocybin, so the magic mushrooms. Very blessed to be on Kauai where they harvest a lot of different Mm -hmm. sacred medicine and the Hawaiian Islands themselves. And so I, again, like met someone like at a bus stop that we just were talking about. It wasn't even secret messaging. We were just talking. We made such a connection and we were like, you know what? Like love to continue this conversation while we were on the way to work. So like, let's meet at this beach and have a beach day. And during the beach day, they kind of shared some of their experiences with me and I was like listen I'm just I'm very particular about the sacred medicine that I partake on like I usually like want to meet the people that are curating whatever it is because I want to feel their energy as well because that's important to me as well as to what energy may be going into the, the medicine itself and so one thing led to another and they had some people that harvested several different adaptogens like reishi, Mm. turkey tail, chaga. Mm. So they would create them and some also like raw cacao. So sometimes it was in a raw form and then sometimes it was in a different form. And so I surrendered and like signed myself up to do a journey with psilocybin. And it was at a place, it's a beach that you have to hike to, right? <laughs> so I wanted to be someplace where, again, like I kind of felt where I had like space and it wasn't like a place that it's like a tourist area so mm-hmm. that I could still have my space and walk and connect and cry if I needed to or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was, again, same individual that was with me on the y- ayahuasca. She joined me and man, more morphing. I connected with some different, like Celtic, actually, that was the first time that I was connecting with Celtic beings. So it was like Ivy 
I didn't realize that it was not just like a plant, but they actually have like goddesses, like Ivy. I was wearing a green dress. And I remember at one point, literally, like my friend was like yelling for me, trying to find me. And I was laying in a bed of Ivy, but it's like Ivy that comes up off of the beach Mm. and into the trees. Mm. And so I couldn't move because I was just like in this space where I was connecting myself. I felt like I was on a journey, right? So after a while, she found me and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> I, and I just had this smile. And and uh, so she's like, because you're not moving. Right. <laughs> she's she's like, make sure you're okay. You're smiling like really hard. <laughs> and my arms were like, out. And she was just like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. So she kind of went off. I gave her the thumbs up. And that was always our thing. Like, you know, if we're just in a space, but we want to like just communicate without like breaking where we are in our journey that we would just give our thumbs up. So I gave my thumbs up. She went her way. I kind of went back into it. But a lot of different messages that were coming to me about like reminding me again of other aspects and lives that I've lived. Mm. And that was one of the intentions for that one. I said, please bring in like some other aspects of other times that I've been so that I can integrate that into this experience that I'm having now. And then I sat on the edge of like, the ocean and let the ocean just kind of like caress my toes and up to like my knees. I don't ever get in the water. Even if it's like a lake, I don't do it. It's just, there's a certain amount of respect that I have for the elements that is like, okay, I'm here to connect with you. Mm -hmm. However, I feel that if if the journey is helping pull out certain aspects of myself that might be angry or whatever, I literally feel like I have that much of a connection with the elements that it could then transfer that to the element, right? right? And that was the message that like, it shows me what I need to see. I, I remember shedding some tears and the tears were more stuff around my childhood, just other stories of people like abandonment. Mm. And so I didn't really have any epiphanies really with that one. It was more so just like allowing myself to cry Mm. and be okay again. Like I do connect a lot with my inner child when I do any journeys because I feel like if that little girl is the one that I want to continue to help to invigorate my life, then she needs healing too. So I do always meditate and work with her as I'm going through things. And then I do remember like just rolling around at the shoreline and just kind of like giving myself almost like a salt scrub. And Mm. then it became like a thing. Like I was like, I'm cleansing myself. Like I'm literally cleansing myself. And I did like a spiritual bath kind of thing. And then my girlfriend started to have of an experience herself and crying. And so I kind of helped to step in with that. And then after that, I literally went and gathered like some of the flowers that come from the ivy that they bloom. Yep. Some palms. I found a fruit and I can't remember which fruit it is now. It could have been either noni or 
trying to remember what else. Maybe like dragon fruit or something that was growing there. And I started to like pull together like these just different palms. And I went into this just whole like, like healing thing. And I was kind of speaking in tongues. Wow. And I started to like, not hit her, but caress her with palms and rubbing like this, this fruit on her mm -hmm. and gosh, like kind of singing, but grunting. There were all mm -hmm. these noises <laughs> that were coming from me. And literally I was kind of doing what I did for myself at the foot of the ocean with her, but it was more with like the plants mm. and with the fruit and it helped to pacify like her. So remember I told you there was a hike. So I grabbed some mud and it's like a red clay and I mixed it with some of the ocean water and the scrub and kind of like made like a poultice for her mm. and something just told me to like work with her feet and with her hands and then I put some like on her face but they were like I don't know I want to say like kind of like tribal markings I don't know where any of the stuff came from I just knew I was like okay, I'm just following this is what I'm doing and it really like just helped her to kind of like move through the emotions that she was going through the hike, the trip to, to the top of the hill, we were talking to someone we had come, told him to come pick us up at a certain time. And she was like, Annabelle just morphed into this like Caribbean goddess. And she was just like doing these, these things. And, and she just like morphed completely into this like medicine woman. And so that was like the beginning of another thing. I was just like, okay, anytime that I have something come up for me during a journey, it's, I feel that it's something that I need to learn for myself and to also bring to other people. And I started seeing the pattern of like, mm -hmm. that was the reason for the IV. I started learning how I could use that fruit, not mm -hmm. just for, because it's great for your diet, but also like, how can I make poultices out of this? What other things does it do for people? What are the constituents of it that can be paired with something else? It started to make more sense of like this whole holistic alchemist that I am, right? And so again, it's just like every time I've journeyed, it helps me to bring these pieces that I didn't recognize lived within me. And it helped me to remember, like pull things out, like from the ethers that Again, I would have to say that if I wasn't in Hawaii, I don't think that I would be experiencing some of these things the way that I was and being able to just yeah. be like, okay, yeah, this is how it is. Because I couldn't yeah. really see me doing that yeah. in the DMV, Maryland, DC, Virginia area. Yeah. Not to say it doesn't happen. I was just in a different place to be able to embrace all these things without having to question why or that there's mm -hmm. something wrong with me. It was like, okay how can I use this? And whoa, that was so cool. Like that was so amazing. You know, you think that you were channeling your past lives and, or was it your ancestors providing you with information, knowing that this is what your higher calling is in this particular lifetime I'd that, say you're both. To, that you're meant to help heal people in some way? I'd say both. I would definitely say ancestors, but I do believe in reincarnation. So because of that, like we're, we don't just come back as one, <laughs> one lineage. 
because the Ivy thing was very strong. Like I actually went out and I ended up going to Australia and found at this random little like fair, a book on runes. Mm. And I remember reading that like runes were used by Celtic. Right. And so something said, okay, well, great. Like I already work with like tarot or different types of tarot. So I felt like I needed something that was going to help to connect me to divination or whatever it is that maybe the Celtic or the Vikings, those type of like sacred warriors used. So I had the runes for probably, geez, like at least 15 years before I got the book. And so now another layer that kind of unfolded for me to continue the journey and learning more about different ancestors or different cultures that may have been a part of my soul at some point in time in another lifetime, or even of my ancestors that still I carry and I'm continuing to unlock different information and ancient wisdom from them. I mean, it's pretty incredible. I believe in reincarnation. And I mean, as you were describing your psilocybin experience and you were talking about the ivy and just instinctively knowing how to create that poultice, immediately I was thinking, oh, that's definitely from her past life. It's coming through and she's remembering all these different skill sets and talents that she has as a healer and that it's guiding her. It's essentially just guiding you towards what you should be doing in this lifetime and And what you were meant to do. I was like on the side of a rock with a palm and like using another rock. And like, I mean, could I say me? I've seen it in pictures, you know, history books or something, of course. But for it to come just so like instinctively. Yes. And being in that zone of just like, you don't question. You just don't. Or maybe that's what the sacred medicine has taught me. Yes. Is to, to listen. And there's no wrong choice. I mean, obviously, we do tell people, and as I help people journey, that's why there is a reason to have a guide, you know, because sometimes we are pulled in different directions and we're, you want to keep sinking in, right? I think because of having so many other journeys that I kind of know where my boundaries are, that I I trust myself. I don't ever do it alone. I will mm-hmm. say that. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it because there is such a thing as microdosing. It's different experience. However, I just say that I also feel like there's a, a kindred emotion of camaraderie and community that does come from sharing your journey with someone, yes. with a group. Everybody's different. Some people just feel uncomfortable doing it on their own. I mean, it's so important to stress for anyone who's listening that if they're interested in doing any sort of potential plant medicine journey, is that it is recommended that you find somebody who can guide you, who can help you facilitate the process. Because there will be moments where it's potentially challenging and or a combination of that and it's very magical and mystical. But to have somebody who's experienced enough to help you work through those moments is really, really important. And I mean, like you said, the journeys are meant to be done with someone there with you, 
right? There's a sense of community, that community spirit and helping each other and supporting each other that I think is really important. And that's a very important aspect, I think, of any sort of plant medicine journey, regardless of which one you decide to do. I tell people a lot, like, this journey can be very, it almost feels lonely sometimes mm -hmm. because sometimes you just have to sit with a lot and process a lot. I don't want to say alone, but, you know, in a space where it makes sense to you, it makes that connection within yourself and your soul. And thank you for saying that because I do think there's a, such a distinction between doing this alone and feeling lonely, mm -hmm. right? Because it really is an inside job. And the only person who can work on that on the inside is you. It is something that is a solo journey, even though you may have a community of people who are supporting you, who are there for you. It is. It's one of those things that if you are brave enough to push forward and to really kind of tackle all of the things that come up during a psychedelic journey mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're ready to integrate and to really kind of pull the threads and figure out what the messages are. It's like this whole other world can potentially open up for you. And that's what it is. So it's a great way to kind of like unweave other stories that have become part of why you want to and why you've been chosen in this lifetime to work with this type of medicine so that you can get to know yourself better. And then remember how powerfully wise you are from the inside out. Mm. Such a nice way to end this conversation. This has been so nice, Annabelle. Thank, Thank you, you so much for your time. Of course. Such inspiring stories. I really am grateful for your time. Thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm just a phone call away or a resource as well if someone would like to inquire about either taking a journey or being a part of one, um, then I'm all ears and I'd be more than happy to provide some assistance where they may be needed. Thank you so much. All the Annabelle's information will be in the show notes as well. All right. Well, thank you, Min. I thank really appreciate so this. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Your support means a lot to me, so please subscribe, download, and share with friends and family. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so let me know what resonates for you. Until next time, take care.